Welcome to The Last Word on the Crosstalk Messages podcast. Every week we take a last look at the message from the most recent Crosstalk. Enjoy this short conversation and stay tuned for the full message directly after. Hey y'all, welcome to The Last Word. I'm Johnny, one of this year's Crosstalk interns, and I'm joined here today with two incredible people. I'm Paulina, I'm on staff here and glad to be here. <laughs> Always have to make sure to include it. And I am JD, the Crosstalk Master. Very nice. Hey guys, so I'm excited. First time hosting. And so Paulina, you spoke last week, which was really cool. And you spoke on Acts 16, where we see Paul and Silas are first beaten and thrown in prison for just doing some awesome works for God. And I don't know about y'all, but lately I've seen this common theme in my life where just being almost in a low spot, being almost imprisoned in a way um, for just unfair ways. And so I just want to hear from you guys. How can we practically not lose hope when we are feeling like we are imprisoned? Um, I think something that just came to mind right now as you were uh, asking that is that the key and something I still wrestle with is thinking that everything should be fair and it should be mm-hmm. especially fair because I follow Jesus, right? Like I know God, so surely it's fair and it's obviously not the case. And um, I think that's just a good expectation to have in life, even though it feels simple. Like I hated hearing that as a kid, you know, life's not fair. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, I hate that. But I think just knowing that then whether we're feeling imprisoned or like we're thriving and doing, you know, everything we can be doing, then it all feels like a gift and not dependent on like how I'm doing with God. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And I think that hits on this idea that sometimes that we fall into that, um, that if I follow Jesus and I do good things, then good things should happen to me. And that's not the way that a relationship with God works. And what we have to understand is that God is the only perfectly just and fair thing. And so our ideas of what fairness look like, we're always going to be disappointed if we're trying to judge based on our ideas of fairness. And then to go off of that, what we have to realize, because God is the only one who is wholly just and wholly Mm -hmm. fair, is that our hope is not determined by our circumstances. It is determined by what God says. And so if we are a follower of Jesus, then our hope is not in our circumstances and how our life turns out. It is that God has redeemed us and restored us to right relationship with him through the atoning work of Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. on the cross. Right, yeah. I mean, we expect to live easy lives when we follow Jesus, but Jesus is the only one that lived a perfect life and not even he lived an easy life. And so why do we expect it? Um, And so later, um, as you spoke uh, last Thursday, Paulina, we saw that miraculously they were able to just worship and that's how they didn't lose hope. And that was so cool. And eventually we see that God frees them using this earthquake that just opens the doors and releases their shackles. And I think that's such a really cool moment That's just, it seems like a movie almost to me in that uh, instance. And so they were freed from their imprisonment, but um, you probably saw this question coming, but what do you guys need freedom from? Um, I think it's, I don't know. I'm trying to decide for me personally, because honestly, I do think it's as I prepared for the message last week, Um, I saw how I really struggle with the idea of seeing, like being able to take 
freedom or take, let's call it like any kind of instant gratification and not taking it, you know? And sometimes that can just be like, uh, pride or like comfort or my own control and yet not taking it immediately, you know, knowing, seeing the opportunity and yet not acting on it is something that I, I guess would be what I would need freedom from. That's what I've been wrestling through since last week. So it really is hard to have an out, you know, we have a choice in life, we have choices and it's hard to see it and not take the route that feels the easiest in my flesh instead of what God maybe has. Absolutely. I mean, I think even over really on Friday, since Friday of last week, Taylor and I have been going through some stuff in our own personal life. And it's quite frankly, it's been like very anxiety provoking. It's been frustrating. I've been mad. I've been upset. And through all of it, basically what I've wanted to do is I just want to go run away. Right. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> because right now I have lost control of my own life. There yeah. are things that are happening in my life that are outside of my control and it's uncomfortable and it's something that I don't like. And I think that for me, control is that thing that I need freedom from because I want to be the God of my own universe. I want to manipulate my circumstances to best serve me. I love Paulina, how you talked about in your own life and kind of painted this picture between your experience in Uganda and Paul and Silas's experiences in freedom in, uh, in prison where you would have taken that chance for freedom and teleported to the other side of the world where it was safe and comfortable and secure. And that's ultimately, I think what I want to do as well is like, I want to exercise my freedom to find the greatest amount of comfort and control in my life. And the thing for me is I have to regularly surrender my desires to the Lord and submit myself under him to serve others selflessly, regardless of the amount of suffering or, I, I would hesitate to use the word persecution mm-hmm. in yeah. the United States for what we experience with our faith. But uh, however you want to term that, the things that happen that are outside of our control that are like abject difficulties in our life, I want mm-hmm. to be able to control those things and I have to lay those desires down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that you brought in control because that's also been something I've been kind of having discussions with people about lately is just coming to that realization that we don't have control over almost anything and that God is always in control. And in that instance, the only, you know, controls that we have is of that choice to turn to him in that moment. And so we, as you spoke on uh, Thursday, Paulina, we saw that Paul and Silas took this opportunity that their chains were thrown down, the door was open and they didn't run. And so from that, we saw this really cool moment where, you know, the guard was about to kill himself, but they say, wait, and they say, we're still here. And then he came to the faith because he saw that this just thing that didn't make sense that they did and they just chose to choose God whenever, you know, they had control in their hands to leave, but they chose God's control in that instance and therefore saw someone come to the faith. And so how have you used opportunities of freedom to spread the gospel as they did? Um, I think what was coming to mind as we were talking right now is like, the idea that I, the upside down kingdom, the nature of everything that, especially when we look at Jesus's teachings and how he just flipped so many things upside down with how we function in this world. 
And that means, you know, the last will be first, the first will be last, those kinds of things. But I think the way that I just was thinking about it right now is that I think that where I see that the most is how I love people. And, you know, what good is it if I love people that like me back or do something Mm -hmm. for me back? And that's really that feels like freedom. You know, like I have the freedom to not to walk away from somebody that needs a kind word. You know, I have that opportunity and I will continue to, you know, live on and go do something else. But I also have the opportunity to take that and to use my freedom to speak a kind word to somebody who has not reciprocated that to me, you know, and I think that's really, really practical, but I am convicted by that, that if, can you tell that I love Jesus by the way that I use my freedom to love people well, not just the people that, you know, love me back, but Mm -hmm. the ones that are hard and yeah, are just a challenge for me to Mm -hmm. love on. That's really good. I actually, when you asked that question, Johnny, I mostly think of my own failures, I think. Um, (laughs) And I think those are probably the more obvious things or the moments where I felt this leading from the Holy Spirit that I was supposed to go someplace in a conversation with somebody or that I was just supposed to show up in these other ways. And what I chose is my own comfort and security. And so I, I, I noticed my failures more than anything, which is a difficult thing to come to terms with. I think it is uh, you said the word convicting. And mm-hmm. I think, Paulina, that is, that's it for me. As I look at the ways in which I have chosen my freedom to uh, <laughs> pander to my own comfort mm-hmm. as opposed to leaning into what it means to follow God and to to be risky, to step out in boldness and courage for the sake of uh, other people. And I think that uh, I can actually point more so to the people who have done that well in my life. I notice yeah. my own failures, but mm-hmm. I also know when I have been the reciprocant mm-hmm. recipient of those sorts of things. And so I think that uh, a big piece of learning how to use our freedom is being introspective and reflective on the moments people have done that for us and the difference that it's made in our own walk with Christ and also recognizing the moments that we fail in those sorts of ways because that has the ability then to spur us on and inspire us to do more, to step into that uh, discomfort more and more and to be the people that God has called us to be in the world around us. Sure. Yeah, no, I love that. I, I, I hope that I can look for those opportunities more so in the future now that I know this uh, story a little more on when my shackles are dropped down and the door is open that I could hopefully take those opportunities to stay and look for a moment to spread the gospel of Jesus. Yeah, I agree. I think we, it's been cool now to see how we're towards the end of the semester and we've gotten to, at least for me, I know I have new pointers and understanding of Acts and the early church and how that Mm -hmm. impacts us now. So I'm excited for this week. Just a little teaser. We have a very special guest coming on Thursday night, so you're not going to want to miss it. We'll see y'all on Thursday. All right. Well, welcome to Crosstalk. If you're new, I'm, well, if you're new or this is your millionth time, I'm so glad that you're here. I am Paulina. If we haven't gotten a chance to meet, that good right there. Um, I am on, actually, this is for Cam. I'm a Crosstalk intern. Um, Just kidding, I'm not, but I was a long time ago. Um, And I am on staff here at Crosstalk and at our church, Cypress Creek Church, and I have been around 
crosstalk for a long time. I came to school uh, at Texas State, wanted to be a math, middle school math teacher because middle school and math are some of the best things. And um, I ended up interning with Crosstalk and then worked a couple different roles and different jobs and ended up being full-time here. So I live in San Marcos, have been here for like a decade then. Um, but I love Crosstalk and honestly, it totally changed my life. Like I cannot imagine what I would have done and what my life would be like right now had I not, had God not intersected my path with Crosstalk. So very thankful to be here. Um, but if you were here, if you've been around this semester, you know that we've been talking, reading through the book of Acts. We've been talking about witness as our series title. And that's been all about watching how now that Jesus has been crucified and resurrected, how his church started building and growing and how people were scattered, persecuted, but as they went, God used them to spread the gospel further than it had gone when Jesus was crucified. And so that's what we've been doing so far. Last week, JD talked to us about um, some believers that were trying to put on extra burdens on people on what it meant to be saved. And so they were trying to add things on top of what Jesus taught us, that it's just faith and believing in who Jesus is and making him Lord of our life. And so JD asked us something that I've been thinking about all week, that if God, if this is theoretical and not what we see in the Bible, but theoretically, if we got to the gates of heaven and God said, okay, why should I let you in? That whatever that our thought and response is first is really telling. And I, my friend, I think JD said this last week, my friend asked me that a couple years ago without telling me what the answer was. And I answered something like, because I, blah, blah, blah. I think I said like, because I've tried my best to live life for Jesus. And um, she was like, that's wrong. <laughs> And any answer that is because I is automatically wrong. The only answer that is how holds any value to let me into heaven is because Jesus, because his sacrifice is enough to cleanse me, to make my sin make me white as snow, separate and apart from my sin. So that's what JD talked about last week. And honestly, I think for this week, it's pretty, it feels like an extension of that to me. And so um, where we are now, if you guys were here a while ago, I felt like uh, when JD shared the Lord of the Rings analogy, Honestly, I didn't get it because I've never seen Lord of the Rings, so sorry. But I did, I still remember the like fact of two storylines that kind of like bump into each other and then go off. And so we've been seeing that with Peter and with Paul. And right now where we're at is we're following Paul, the Apostle Paul, and the gospel being spread through him and his ministry. Um, and so where we're picking up, Paul and Barnabas were going out to different places, spreading the gospel, and then they have a disagreement, they split up. So now we're just following Paul and a guy named Silas. And so that's where we're gonna focus on tonight is them, they're going back to different churches that they've, well, different places that they've been to before that they've preached the gospel. They're gonna go back um, and revisit those places and their brothers and sisters in Christ. So where we are gonna pick up, um, that sets the scene, and we're gonna pick up in Acts 16, verse 25, if you guys have your Bible, or it'll be on the screen. 
So verse 25 says, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly... I read ahead, actually, a little what you guys will need as some more preface of why they're even sitting in prison, right? First sentence. Um, There was a girl that was possessed, and she, her demonic, the demonic spirit that was in her gave her the ability to predict the future. And so she was a slave girl that had this power, and so her owners are thrilled because they're making bank on her power, right? And so what happens is that she comes across Paul. The short version is that Paul casts out the demon. And so she's free, awesome, life-changing thing, but her owners are peeved because they lost their profit now. And so where we're jumping in is that the owners drag Paul and Silas because of them freeing this girl to the magistrates or like the leaders, the officials of that colony. And they beat them and put them in prison. So now verse 25 is where we're going to pick up. So Paul and Silas are sitting in prison, having done something incredible um, and yet sitting in prison. So about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew a sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. And when I was reading this story, the first thing I thought of is a story, something that I've experienced. And I want to share it with you guys because I like pictures, mental pictures of a help me remember things. And so it's not exact. But when I was in college, I had the opportunity to go to Uganda on a couple like the same place a couple years in a row. Um, on some mission trips with a nonprofit that's connected to our church. And those experiences were really incredible, a huge blessing to me, really big things in my life. But the very first year that I went over there, where we were visiting, we had like, we stayed in a city that was pretty normal, just like city in Uganda. And then behind the city are these slums that are like, actually like hundreds of thousands of people. It's crazy. But past that is like fields and some bigger houses. And we had some friends that had been able, a family there that had been able to move out there. And so one night we're like, we're going to go visit this house. We're going to go rejoice with you because it actually is like a huge accomplishment that they had made to get out of the slums and into this other place. Um, And so we stayed out there and we just had the best time. We hung out with them. We ate with them. And then before we realized it, it was pouring rain. And we had driven out in a car in my, our friend's car that was living there. And which is fine. Like here, you could still drive home in the rain. But for us there, all of the dirt roads became mud. 
and it had now gone dark. And so we're like, okay, we better get home really fast. We really don't like to be out at night in Uganda. It's not a good move. We stand out a lot, especially in that area of Uganda that we're in. And so we're like already nervous and we're coming back and we're on these dirt roads that are now muddy roads and the car slides off the road. We can't get out of the mud. People start coming out of their houses and they're helping. Um, to get the car out of the mud and there's just, it's not happening. And so we're like, we have to get home fast. And in Uganda, they have these motorcycle taxis called bodas. And by motorcycle, like that is so generous. It's like a tiny motorcycle. Okay. Like it has a motor and it, it works, but it's like small, not like one of those big ones that we're used to. So I say all that to say that we went off in pairs. And so me and my friend, Caitlin, who was also a crosstalker, we got on the back of a Boda and because of how they all went, we were spread out. So now we couldn't even see our team and the driver, I'm right behind the driver and the driver at one point pulls over at a house and starts talking. They speak English, but they were talking in Luganda. So I'm freaking out. Like I really thought this is over there. He's bringing like reinforcement to kidnap us and terrible things. And so luckily I was like, <laughs> kind of yelling at him was like, you go, you go, you go. And so he was like, got us going and, um, we kept going and now we had to go through the slums, which during the daytime people it's hot. And so people are inside their houses, but at nighttime that place comes alive. I mean, like it's, I have not seen a site like that since, um, but there are people outside, they're like making fires. There's a lot, a lot of drinking and just a lot of like unfortunate things that happen. And we have to drive all the way back through that area. And at one point our, the Boda actually tips over. And so now we're stopped and now people are approaching us and I round two, now it's really over. And as once we got it back going quickly, my friend and I, all we could think to do was sing a worship song out loud. And they, like I said, they speak English. English is a national language of Uganda. And so they know, like the boater driver knew what we are singing, but we're just singing and singing and praying and also simultaneously being like, this is the only thing I can focus on is just singing. And I don't have a good singing voice. So it wasn't pretty, but we were singing. And that's what it reminded me of when I read them singing and praising God in prison. But the difference is, and JD actually helped me figure out that this, this difference, there's such a contrast between what I just described to you and what Paul and Silas were experiencing in prison, right? They're just, they're sitting in prison. Who knows? I don't know that they had any hope of when they were going to get out, what was going to happen. Obviously, they were unfairly put in prison after being beaten. But where we were filled with fear, what I see in Paul and Silas is contentment and peace. That's the only way you can sit in a prison and praise God. And it says that the other prisoners were listening. They must have been so full of peace and contentment. And I just like that contrast a lot because it shows me how their heart place, I guess, just looking from the outside and seeing where they were at and how different it was for me and how much I was filled with fear and just like wanting to get out of that situation as fast as possible. And so when I was thinking about that, I was thinking, how could they be so, like I would use the word free, 
how, how could they be so free when they were actually imprisoned, right? Like they were physically experiencing the opposite of freedom. They were experiencing captivity, being held in prison. And how could they be so free? And the verse that I've been thinking about is 2 Corinthians 3, 16 to 17. And it says, but when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That veil is a hardened mind towards God. That's what that veil is. We all have this sinful nature. We're all born into sin. It doesn't matter what family you're part of, how great they were, how terrible. We all have that sinful nature. And we're born into this broken, sinful world. And so we have a veil. And so if you know Jesus, if you're walking with him, then maybe you can, you can probably trace back and see where God removed that veil. And sometimes it happens immediately and we just, it's like our eyes are open and we understand and see it and see him and believe who he really is. And sometimes it's a longer process. Or maybe you grew up in a family where your parents did are believers and they did raise you in that way. And eventually you got to a point where you understood that still God removing the veil and when our minds are when God removes that veil and softens our minds and our hearts to receive him that promise is that where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom and that's what I see in Paul and Silas sitting in that prison is a freedom that went way beyond their circumstances and then that earthquake. An earthquake causes all of the doors, the prison doors to be opened, all of the bonds to be removed or released. And I, we have to know that Paul and Silas knew what would happen to a, jail, a jailer who let everybody escape, right? Even though it wasn't his fault, he would have been killed for that, for all the prisoners having escaped. And then I guess they see that the jailer is about to kill himself. And when I read that part, I could see how in my Uganda story, let's say in theory that when that Boda fell over in the middle of the slums, that if God had given me an opportunity right then, like a magical, supernatural, maybe another earthquake or something that would transport me home or like a magic tunnel in the sky that would have gotten me back to the house out of what I didn't wanna be in, I absolutely, 100%, no second thought would have taken that opportunity. And I read this in my study Bible that I really liked, and it says that they did not, Paul and Silas did not view their freedom. So when the doors were open and the bonds were released, they didn't view their freedom as a means of escape, but as an opportunity to witness. They knew, they knew what would happen to the jailer. And instead of running out the way that was away from uh, danger and risk, instead of running out to save themselves, they stayed in order to save the jailer's life. That's like a life for life switch. That's them staying in prison so that somebody else can experience life. And I love the jailer's question, what must I do to be saved immediately? He saw and understood the power of God and the power of God and the spirit in Paul and Silas and says, what must I do to be saved? And that's exactly what we talked about last week. They respond with believe, believe that Jesus is Lord. 
believe and what happens they all him and not just him i love that god addresses god wants to redeem the whole family him the jailer and the whole family are saved and baptized because paul and silas denied their own god-given opportunity to for freedom right then to go pursue you know go back to their own ways and unlike Paul and Silas, I would have totally taken that path. And I really feel that, even though that's just my story from Uganda and we ended up making it home safe, everything was okay. But I really feel that for myself, that I tend to do that. Like if I have a chance to get out of there or to go do what I wanna do instead of sacrifice for somebody else, I will absolutely take that. It takes the Holy Spirit really stopping me and really convicting me to see and to sacrifice for others. And I, when I was reading this story, I also thought of one more story, and it's found in Matthew 27. And this is, we're reading right as in Matthew's account of Jesus's crucifixion. And so Jesus has been up, has been crucified on the cross. And verse 50 says, and Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. He, his life was not stolen from him, but he gave it up willingly. He yielded up his spirit and behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. That curtain, I was looking it up, is a 60 foot by 30 foot curtain with of like woven fabric. And it's a curtain that was placed outside of the most holy place, between the most holy place and the holy place in the temple. That most holy place was the spot that only the high priest could go one time a year on the day of atonement. Because that's how powerful and perfect and holy God is, that our sin and sinful nature and just all the, even the unrepented sin that we don't know, all the brokenness in us will evaporate in God's presence, not because he is evil or um, against us, but because that's how holy he is. And that's the veil that tore, the curtain that tore in the temple. What a symbol for us. And then it says the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. The earth shook, that's reminded me of it, because earthquake, and it says that the in the account of Jesus dying on the cross, it says that the tombs also were opened. And in the story we read in Paul, the, the prison doors, I mean, that's such good symbolism. Like, you don't even have to make up an analogy because it's already one in, in itself, right? The prison doors were open. The bonds that were holding prisoners are released. And what I think is so, the reason I even went back to the gospels to talk about Jesus is I just really had it on my heart that we have to know what freedom is. Jesus and only Jesus has made us forever free. What JD talked about last week, that we, if you believe that Jesus is Lord and you have just, yeah, you've just believed in him, then your eternity with God for eternity is secure. It's secure. But how good is God that he not only makes us free from the penalty of our sin, that would be separation from God forever. That's the rightful penalty. That's what I deserve. 
We each have this broken nature, that the sinful nature that we deserve, eternal separation from God. That is what is just. But God is loving and kind, and he's been in this with us to redeem us. He doesn't need us. He wants us. He wants to redeem us. So he's made us free from the penalty of sin in eternity, and he's made us free right now. Currently, I don't have to wait to be free. He's made us free from our sin, from death, from the power of death and the grave. He's made us free from things that are so earthly that can bind us up so easily, things like fear and guilt and shame and insecurity and fear of rejection and comparison, all that stuff. Those are things that he is making us free from. That's the process of sanctification. It happens right now, and then it also happens continually as we become more and more like Jesus and more and more free. And he's also made us free too. And I don't know, God just hit me with that this week, that I'm always thinking about all the negative things that I need to get freed from. And I feel like this is where, this is the key that I see, is that we are free to follow God to know God, to see, to understand his ways. We have freedom to do that. We have, we don't have to wander in the darkness. We have free to draw freedom to draw close to him. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And the, I guess, application point, the point of today and what I want, what I felt was on my heart for us to remember is that as believers, the same, the question for us is the same that I think it was for Paul and Silas when the prison doors were opened. Now that we're released. So if you have faith, if you believe that Jesus is who he says that he is, you've been released from the penalty of your sin. Now that we're free, what should we do with our freedom? And I think that's so important for us to deal with right now, especially, I mean, you guys are in college. It feels like all the pressure is on to figure out what you want to do, what exactly your like career path is, who you're going to marry. Are you going to have a family and kids? Are you going to live here or across the globe somewhere else? All that stuff feels like it's just heightened in your four, however long college years. But I think it makes it that much more important that we have to stop and wrestle with that question. What will you do with your freedom? I always, I like to see things black and white. I guess I'm just wired that way. So my brain goes like right, wrong, like that. And I try to see the black and white in everything. And so I, a lot of how I've seen things of faith are like, okay, either you take Two paths in life. One is against God and you reject everything that he is and you, you know, don't trust his ways, all that stuff and live in the world. And the other way is that you live for God and excuse me, you trust him, you follow him. But I think, and that is true, right? There is that option, but I've also learned recently that there is another option and it's the one that feels the most, um, like crushing to me because we could like you could go leave college and go to church and keep you know like believing in God and be and stay in 
working for your success and comfort and safety and not risk and not ever, you know, kind of go ankle deep in the water instead of just going all in and just trusting God enough to swim in the deep. And I feel that still. I think that's all of our nature is even once you know Jesus, it's like, okay, yeah. And then I'll just coast through life and do kind of like follow my plan for my life. And what I've realized recently is that other way. And it's so tempting. I don't know if that sounds relatable to you guys, but for me, just talking about it, I can feel that pull in myself. That's like, yeah, comfort, safety. I just want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And I want my life to look like how I want it to look like and not submit to God in those things. Galatians 5 says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You were called to freedom. And it's so clear in there. Do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. And the flesh is the things that are totally opposite from God, for sure. Like, I'm not even going to go there. But the things that are like, we know, like these are just things that are against God's way. Those are things of the flesh. And also my desire to keep myself safe and to really only trust myself and not God and not other people, that's, that's a desire of the flesh too. And my plans for my success is also a desire of the flesh but don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. There is so much pressure for you guys in college. Maybe you don't feel it, that's awesome. If you do, I wanna say that I understand and also I wanna encourage you with one thing that's gonna sound super simple and like the easy answer, but I really mean it. That's this, this is the answer that I figured out and that's why I am where I am today. I wanna encourage you to see the next thing and to do that next thing really well. Paul and Silas's immediate neighbors, like love your neighbors, their immediate neighbors were the other prisoners and the jailer. That was their literal neighbor, like the person closest to them. And they denied their own freedom, not as an opportunity for the flesh, but to serve one another. So who is around you? The fact that Jesus said, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, that's not just like, go love people. That's like, go do it. Go serve one another. Love each other well. And watch what God does, even if what you do with your life is not vocational ministry. That's all good. That's not the calling for everybody. It's not the calling for most of us. We need people in, out, in businesses and schools and doctor's offices and on and on. But find the next thing and do that next thing really, really well. Sometimes the next thing is inviting the person that sits next to you to come to church or to give a person a ride that doesn't have a car. Those can be next things. Do that next thing and watch what God does when you do that thing and then he gives you more and you do another thing and another thing and another thing. Before you know, God is unveiling the calling that he has on your life so that you can live a risky 
totally reliant on God life. And for me, what that looks like um, just really practically right now is that I am a finishing getting licensed to be a foster parent. What I also know by saying that, let me tell you, I don't believe that the calling to be a foster parent is like for everybody. Like once you're a believer, everybody should foster. I'm not at all trying to apply what God is calling me to, to everybody else. But I want to use that as an example because I realized as I was deciding and I wrestled with this for years and just a lot because it's hard. I'm pretty comfortable. I like my life. I'm good doing what I want when I want, you know, but and I know it will make my life complicated and just logistically hard and it'll be hard to care for those kids. But all of that aside, I realized that God spoke to me, you know, that he wasn't going to love me less if I wasn't a foster parent. It wasn't like, do this or you're separated me from me forever. Not at all. I know that I cannot foster. But what I want to do with my freedom in this time, in this specific time in my life, in this season, is to foster. And I want to see what God does. And I may do that for a year or five years or the rest of my life. But I, as I'm saying all of this to you guys, I want you to hear that I'm just trusting God with the next thing. Not very imperfectly, but I'm trying and I'm, we're in this together as we all trust God with the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And that specific calling, living into that calling, whatever it is that God is, whatever dreams God is bringing up from within your heart that he has planted, God will be faithful to do those things. And I really think that trusting him in those things and trying and failing and then trying something else and failing and then figuring out what God has for you is what it looks like to live as people that are free and that are using their freedom to serve one another and to love others really well and to trust God with the things that I can't control, but I, but choosing to trust in him. John 8, 36 says, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So to tie it up with our theme on freedom, again, another encouragement is that I, regardless of what that looks like, where you each individually are five years from now, who you're with, where you're living, what job you're doing, whatever it is, if the Son sets you free, You'll be free indeed. It's true. You're free. You're free to live your life and use. You have the choice. God gave us free will. So you're not forced into this, but use your freedom to be people that run after God with everything you are recklessly in reckless abandon after God, trusting him with the things that are dear to your heart. He can hold them faithfully. And as we open up our hands from things that we kind of hold tightly, he doesn't wipe all those things away and just make us robots for him. He makes those things come alive in bigger and better ways as we live out more and more freely the life that we have received as believers totally and completely by grace alone. My life is really different than I, right now, than I thought or planned for it to be when I came to Crosstalk for the first time in 2012. 
totally different. But I can tell you honestly that it is way, way, way better. JD mentioned this last week. It's way better than I had planned or imagined. And it takes a lot of wrestling with God because we don't, I don't want to give up my ideas and plans easily. But God is really faithful to carry us into whatever the next thing is and the next thing and the next thing until he reveals bigger parts as we walk with him. So I want to leave you guys with two questions. What do you need to be freed from? It's really hard to live out a calling freely if there's something holding you back. And I, there could be a million examples of what that is. If you went to encounter, we talked about a lot of things that keep us from being free. But I just want to leave that open. What do you need to be freed from? Let God show you. He will. If there is something that's keeping you from being free, he is faithful to show us. The Holy Spirit will convict us and show us. He wants to lead us into freedom and into light. The second question for all of us is how will you exercise the freedom that you've been given in Jesus? What will you do with it? You're free. We're free. I'm free. We're free to do really whatever. What will we use our God-given freedom for? To, for our own end or means? Or will we use it to serve and love one another and watch God totally unveil incredible, exciting, unbelievable plans as he does it in his time, in his way. Let me pray for us. Thanks again for tuning in to the Crosstalk Messages podcast. Make sure you are following Crosstalk on social media at crosstalk underscore TXST. If you have any questions for the Crosstalk team, you can send us a message on those pages. We will see you here again next week. 